coming up in this episode of Abundantly Charged, how do we go about shifting our paradigms? Stay tuned. Welcome to our third season of Abundantly Charged. We're your hosts, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and Jill Lewis, CEO of Brilliance and Beyond. As we begin to think about life on the other side of a global pandemic, we realize that everything in life is forever changed. We're all in the midst of creating new routines in all aspects of our lives, from how we shop to how we socialize to how we travel and even to how we spend our free time. We're contemplating new ways to think about how we integrate work and home, and even how we educate our children. We've learned that our children cannot and should not be measured on high-stakes tests alone. We've learned that there are multiple ways to connect with our students, and we need to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching and learning. We've learned we need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn. And finally, we've learned that the cultivation of curiosity and wonder in our curriculum and in our instruction invites each of our students to experience profound relevance and connection to the people and the world around them. In our 10 episodes this season, we'll explore the paradigm shifts we need to consider as we think about and explore how to cultivate wonder and curiosity in abundantly charged classrooms. We thank you for letting us be a part of your day. Hello and welcome to Abundantly Charged. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler. And I'm Jill Lewis, and together, Grant and I are very excited to welcome you to the third season of this podcast. As the pandemic changed how we operated on a day-to-day basis over the past couple years, we were forced to think differently. The playing field completely changed, and we were forced to also make those changes. Now, most of us fought it tooth and nail, right? Well, now that the pandemic has moved to an endemic and the scientific discoveries have made understanding how to keep people alive and well, we can return to some of those pre-pandemic ways. However, you may not want to do that, and you may be finding that those pre-pandemic habits simply are just not working like they used to, nor Is it ethically and morally just to return to many of our pre-pandemic habits and belief systems, especially within our school communities? We need to create vibrant learning atmospheres where we take academic content, determine the appropriate level of the depth of knowledge, and remember, we are teaching humans. Now more than ever, we are being called to create classrooms and school systems that cultivate and infuse curiosity and wonder into learning every single day. Jill and I define curiosity as a strong desire to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. Whereas wonder we define as a way to think about, to study, to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to your life. As Jill stated a few seconds ago, we just simply can't return to those those pre-pandemic ways that if we really looked closely, they they weren't working then. We are 
called to change. As educators, it's our duty to change. But we also know that change is hard. Paradigm shifts are hard not just for an individual, but for an entire system and institution. Philip Beyer, author of System Busters, How to Stop Them in Your Business, says, a paradigm shift is when a fundamental and or monumental change or disruption occurs in current processes, models, or perceptions. In other words, it's a massive adjustment in norms, standards, thinking, patterns, and set values, etc. End quote. So, you know, when you think about it, we've made several paradigm shifts that were pretty significant during the pandemic. We've learned that we don't have to be in the same space to be able to teach anymore. And that was that was a, that was a huge shift of thinking um, for educators, and and some of them, some of them had to make that shift in thinking overnight. You know, from hey, I I've only delivered instruction when I have students sitting in front of me to, okay, I'm not going to see them for the next couple of weeks or, oh, that turned into years. Uh, How am I going to, how am I going to do that? And so this whole idea of a paradigm shift is about not just considering a different way of thinking about something, a different way of doing something, but, but in actuality, putting it into practice so that you actually make a shift, right? I used to think this way. I now think this way, right? And when you, when you think about it that way, you're talking about letting go of something and embracing something else, right? I used to think, and now I think requires letting go of something, right? I, you know, of course, go back to that example. We used to believe that we all had to come in at the same time. And when the bell rang, we began and we've learned that, you know, we can let that go. (laughs) We can let that go in a lot of different ways and we can approach things in a new way. Jill? Exactly. And I'm thinking as you were, as you were talking there, Grant, um, the other thing I was thinking is that you were talking about how people were rethinking that. It was the people who were um, making those changes. And so it was the change that had to occur and people had to just embrace it. And now that they've embraced that understanding, like we don't have to be in the same space. In fact, you and I have never actually been in the same space Ever, <laughs> but a, why not? You know, that's that's really. I mean, Jill, that's really true, right? It's right. Like you are just a two D image on a screen. <laughs> I have never seen you in person. That is, and that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm, exactly. But what we have done is we have looked at how do we still do things that we know are good, that we know are important, that will make a difference we have figured out how to do that. So we changed and then we figured out the system around it. I have so let that go that I didn't even think of that until you said it, that you and I have never been in the same physical space ever, right? Ever. ever. And yet we have done a tremendous amount of work together um, over the over the years. We have, we have, which is really exciting because I used to never think that this could be something I could do um, in this manner. And that's exactly what we're talking about. It was, it's definitely a paradigm shift for me 
in how I do my work. And it's the exact same thing that we're asking everyone else to do as we start to think about curiosity and wonder and how we put that into our own learning systems, whether it's in our classroom, whether we're leading a a staff or even at a district level. You know, absolutely. And of course, this particular season of Abundantly Charged is about um, a list of paradigm shifts that we need to make, things that we need to let go of and think about in a very different way. And so this episode is really about just exploring how do we do that? How do we make you know, some of us do change really, really well. Some of us are really good at letting some things go and and approaching the mysterious door number two. But some of us find that to be very difficult. And so this this particular episode that we've put together is about ways to explore how to make the shift, right? Where mm-hmm. this episode isn't really about curiosity and wonder. It's about how do we make a shift? And I think we also have to to beg the difference of saying it's not just about being making a shift. It is really about making the right shifts to remain relevant. Because if we aren't remaining relevant, we are going to be in our demise, right? So our students aren't going to walk away with what they need to walk away with. They're not going to be engaged. They're they're going to falter and we aren't going to create those opportunities for thinking and for learning and for applying and really grabbing the vibrancy of learning for themselves. And that's what we want. So before we dig into a few ways to create that best climate to create a paradigm shift, we must identify four typical responses to change. This comes from Mike Myatt in How to Lead Change, Three Simple Steps. And in there, he talks about four different types of responses. Now, I also want to preface this as um, as I was researching this and as I was looking at this, these four different types, I don't want them to be necessarily labels that we label Sally, Joey, Fred, Sam, Samson, you know, I don't want them to be labeled. We really need to look at the behavior. It's about the behavior that is being exhibited. And so when we think about that, yes, it's going to sound like we could attach it to a person, but that's not the point of this particular reasoning behind this. This is really identifying the types of behavior so that you can identify that to help create different types of strategies in order to work with that person to help you organize the kind of change that you really are wanting to do and shifting that paradigm. So the first one is called the victim. Now we've heard this word a lot, but let's just go ahead and for our uh, pieces of of the pie, if you will, let's go ahead and say that this behavior um, really reacts to change is as if it's a personal attack. Um, They are hyper-focused on how change is directly or indirectly impacting them. It could be, oh my gosh, my role is going to change. What is that going to do? I've done this this way forever. Um, It's the responsibility aspect that could even be um, kind of channeled into a different place. And so that provides some fear around that. So then they become that victim um, or they behave as if they're the victim. They get caught in those trees and they struggle seeing all the different aspects of the positive and the challenges of change and what that may bring later on. 
then there's the neutral bystander. So it's exactly what the what the term states. So rather than seeing change or or a potential change from uh, from a, a victim lens, this when we exhibit this behavior, when we think about change, it's just simply neutral. It's you know I neither I'm neither excited about or I'm neither you know all riled up against uh, a particular change. I'm just going to sit back and allow whatever is going to happen to happen. And the third behavior is considered the critic. Um, Now, this is, to me, this can be one of the most volatile behaviors that can occur during the paradigm shift process. There's actually two different parts to this. It's the covert or the overt. Now, if the covert, if it's covert, then communication is often at the copy machine. It's backhanded. It's behind the scenes. And the influence is being used to really thwart forward movement of the different type of shift that is needing to happen. Um, However, it is much easier to work with a critic behavior when it is overt. And the reason why is because you know exactly where they stand. The critic goes ahead, that behavior just shares out exactly how they're feeling, exactly what they think. So it kind of goes different. You can have the covert critic or you can have the overt critic. And by identifying those types of behaviors is going to be key in moving that paradigm and shifting that different kind of thinking because the way you work with those kinds of behaviors are very different. And then finally, you have the advocate. The advocate behavior brings influence, momentum, and enthusiasm to the initiative. They help paint the picture because they see how change will not only transform the system or the process, but they visualize how great the effect will be on the system. They will champion the cause, they'll sell it, and start the change process before it has actually even begun. So when you think about major paradigm shifts, major paradigm changes, and a lot of what we are going to talk about are things that we want you to consider as paradigm shifts individually as teachers who are thinking about and working toward cultivating curiosity and wonder, you can approach those paradigms shifts that we're going to talk about by one of these four behaviors, right? You can either go, oh, woe is me, right? That's going to really be, that's really going to be a problem for me, the teacher. Or I can approach it as, oh, well, hey, you know, let's check it out. I don't have an opinion one way or another. Let's just see what happens. You know, you know, you know, you can also, you know, approach it from the role of the critic. We're going to talk about pace next week in episode three, which is a significant paradigm shift. And you may be, uh, you know, you might think about that from the the critic lens or the advocate lens. I know that personally, I'm one of those crazy humans that love change. So I'm usually always the advocate, right? I'm like, yeah, let's give that a whirl, right? Let's see what we do. I I typically don't fall into myself and to the uh, into the other three areas of behavior, but, you know, I'm the strange one in the world. And there are a lot of people that approach change from uh, one of those other three lenses. Jill, which one are you? You know, it's interesting as you were talking, I was going to kind of jump in here because um, I am some, I, I kind of go between the critic and the advocate. 
And I say that because yes, I am all for change. I love change. I'm one of those crazy people too. Um, which is great, right? Because it helps momentum. It helps the enthusiasm. And it's like, oh my gosh, we can totally do this. But for me, I'm that overt critic because I question almost everything. And so by questioning it, to me, it doesn't mean that I am being a critic in my mind. It means that I'm really trying to dig in so that we can completely understand the process, what's going to happen. I look at the pitfalls. I look at what's um, you know, not just the pitfalls, but where are we going in the long term? And I get there, my process getting there is by questioning. And oftentimes people look at that as I'm being a critic because I'm questioning. It doesn't mean that I don't love the idea, but I want to know these other pieces to it before I become that incredible advocate where I am jumping for joy. And I love to fly the plane while I'm putting the wings on. So uh, <laughs> it's like, let's just rock and roll. You know, when creating a paradigm shift, leaders have to follow a few steps. And the first one of those is to identify, this is a really important one. And we're going to talk about this in each of the episodes that uh, that will follow in this season. Identify the need for the paradigm shift. You know, first, you know, analyze a particular trait or pattern or behavior, something that you want to change. Why does that need to be changed, right? What 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 is the need that arises uh, that will that precipitates that paradigm shift, that change in thinking and action, um, and really clearly define what you would prefer to think, do, or have instead. And we're again, we're gonna we're gonna talk next week about pace. We're gonna we're gonna very clearly define what it is that we want you to let go of and what it is that we want you to uh, prefer instead. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So now when you're creating that paradigm shift, the second part of that is you need to lead that paradigm shift effectively. We can all, we've all had those times where we're like, oh, we want to change this, but yet we either haven't been led or we're not leading ourselves effectively to make that change. We're actually sabotaging ourselves or sabotaging the actual movement in and of itself. So one of the things that I absolutely love um, as a way to change that paradigm or to shift the paradigm is using Steve Farber's radical leap structure. There are four different types to that or four different parts, and it's cultivate love, generate energy, um, inspire audacity. And the next one, the last one is um, providing proof. So those are four different items. So let's go ahead and, and kind of dig into them. Because when I say cultivate love, it's not like, you know, the, the relationship love of, you know, two people. It's more about cultivating love and passion for what you are doing. It's that motivation of why you are doing something and why change is important. So it's cultivating that aspect. It's getting at the heart. And you can do this in two ways. You can start with the heart, which many people, by starting with that heart, you're tapping into their purpose. You're tapping into why they're there, why they're teaching in the first place, and then connect it to the mind. Get to the heart, hit the emotion first, and then draw it up to the mind. However, not everybody's wired that way. And so what you can also do is you can start with the mind, start with the analytical aspect. Like these are the things, these are the efficiency aspects of this. This is why this is important. 
in that mind section and then go ahead and connect to the emotion. So you really have to know your staff or you have to know the people that you're working with in order to hit at all different sides when you're starting to shift a paradigm. Now, a couple questions you can ask yourself is, why do I love XYZ? And then, and so if we went back even to Grant's example of why do you love only teaching face-to-face in the classroom and see why do they love that? Because those are the pieces that you keep, but then why, or how could you love, or even now we could say, well, what did you love about teaching online? And then that gives you those, those ways to really mesh those pieces together to focus in on shifting that paradigm of going, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, And then another question that you would ask yourself is how will I show that love in what I work with, serve, and how I lead the people around me? Now, the next part, um, so we just went through cultivate love. Now, the next one is generate energy. So when we think about a leader, um, we want passionate leaders. Now, how they come across with that passionate passion is, is different from one person to the next. But when we talk about generating energy, we think of that leader and think about them as an extreme leader. They're a generator. They're a powerful force for action and for progress and an enthusiastic believer in people and in their capacity to do the awesome. This is packed, so full of information here. So they're a generator. So you're generating ideas, you're generating energy, you're putting that into people. And I loved this other part, um, you're a believer in people. That to me is really important because if you don't believe in people, why are you even in the job that you're in the job for? Um, especially in education. And then that capacity, that belief of the capacity to do the awesomeness, the awesome work um, that's out there. So how do you do that? Well, one, you have people think about their cause. Like, why are they in education? What are they doing? What is that cause that they're there for? You ask them to set goals. And that's nothing new. We have set goals for years upon years and upon years. But what we haven't always done is we haven't always taken into account what those goals are as a way to see if you've met the goals. So we do need to go ahead and look at that. And especially setting goals as you could generate the energy, like what's the first part? How are we going to move forward? Where are we going to create that accountability? What's that accountability tool going to be? Now, the next part of generating energy is to purge the suckers. Okay, Grant, when I say purge the suckers, what are you thinking automatically? I'm automatically thinking of the people that don't necessarily um, embrace uh, the change that we're trying to make. Right. And of course, that's where my mind went first, but that actually is not exactly what it is saying. I know you set me up. (laughs) I totally did. But I wanted to just, you know, part of me, the way the reason I did that is because immediately that's where my head went. And I think when when I probably said purge the suckers, if I had a show of hands, if I could see a show of hands for those of you listening, like how many of you automatically went to a person, right? Purge the suckers. No, 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 no. That's not where we're going. Where we're going is we need to purge what we should change in order to make this a more interesting, 
exciting, scintillating, and awesome place to work and learn. So what different types of things are holding us back? That's what we need to purge. That's what we need to get rid of. And so when we think about our answer um, of of purging the suckers, we want to take it as not people, but the different types of limitations that we have put upon ourselves within our system. And on top of that, when you ask that question is what should we change in order to make this a more interesting, exciting, scintillating, and awesome place to work and learn, your answer should have included creating curiosity and wonder in the classroom using vibrant learning. Now, the next part here is to connect human to human. When you connect human to human, you are speaking from your heart and you're painting that picture for the future. You're giving that visualization tool, you're you're using that so that you can show people, you can talk to people about what you see Because when people can see kind of that end game or where you want to go, they can also feel it in their heart. So you're connecting both the mind and the heart together. So the third area of the radical leap, right? We cultivated love, we generated energy, and now we have to inspire audacity. And he says, audacity is a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints in order to change the world for the better, end quote, question every belief, every habit, and what you say. And the fourth part of this process is to provide proof. Prove what you are doing to yourself and to others. You want to recruit and cultivate and develop people by empowering them, by challenging them, and inspiring them to have the audacity to change. And in order to do so, you go back to thinking about the four different types of behaviors we talked about earlier and how you recruit and cultivate and challenge people depends upon where they are at in terms of their behaviors and how they're responding to change. So finally, when we think about creating a paradigm shift, whether you are doing this for yourself or leading others, it's identify the need for the paradigm shift, lead it effectively. And then, of course, we highlighted Steve Farber's radical leap structure, cultivate love, generate energy, inspire audacity and provide proof. And then the third step is to manage the paradigm shift, develop a plan for implementation. How are you going to measure the shift? Include the climate, actionable items, types of conversations, even with yourself, that showcase and attempt to stop the shift you want to create. So truly, creating opportunities for paradigm shifts to happen really starts with curiosity and wonder. And so for our remaining episodes in season three, we're going to look at seven very specific paradigm shifts that we'd like you to consider as you think about what it means to cultivate curiosity and wonder in our classrooms every single day. First up next week is pace. We don't all have to be at the same place at the same time. Curiosity and wonder must permeate every aspect of learning in our classrooms and our systems. Today, students' voice, autonomy, and drive must dictate how, why, and what we teach daily. When this happens, students engage and answer the big question, what in the world do I want to explore today? Thank you so much for joining Grant and me today. 
Until next time, let's remain abundantly charged. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Abundantly Charged. New episodes drop every Tuesday afternoon beginning January 3rd and running through March 7th. We'll take a short break and return with Season 4 in April. Join the Abundantly Charged virtual community. If you would like subscription information, email us at abundantlycharged at gmail.com. Abundantly Charged is a production of Students Matter, LLC, and Brilliance and Beyond, LLC. Our show's theme music is Something Different, written and performed by Revele and obtained through Soundstripe.com. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It can also be found on our website at https colon forward slash forward slash abundantly dash charged dot captivate dot fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, remember, let's remain abundantly charged.